Hello and welcome once again. It is the Sin Bin Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host. I am your commissioner. I am Cody Carlicker, and I am also moving to the second round. And you know, I'm not typically one to gloat, but uh, it does feel good to keep playing in in the playoffs. And I know that this week. I'm probably done. I'm playing Jerome. A lot of my guys are uh, having some tough matchups. Mike Evans is hurt. Jared Cook is hurt. We'll probably jump into that a little bit later, uh, but I am going to uh, enjoy the moment as much as I can, as I encourage everybody who won in advance to enjoy the moment as much as they can. But on this podcast, we're going to be speaking with the losers, the guys that are eliminated. Fantasy football season is over for them. We're going to be talking to Kevin O'Brien. We're going to be talking to Bob O'Brien, Steve Grisbeck, and Chris Woloka, talking about what went wrong in their seasons and what to look forward to for next year and just any general thoughts on their seasons as a whole. So I hope you guys enjoy that, bringing on a lot of different guys. The podcast may sound a little bit choppy because we're doing this uh, this way, but I figured that it would be fun to get everybody on or as many people on as we are wrapping the season up. Another thing that I'm going to talk about is a little a little thing that I've been thinking about for, for a while and it, that's, that's kickers in the NFL. And a lot of you guys may listen to that and be like, why is he going to talk about kickers? Like, nobody cares about kickers. But I think that we often take kickers for, for granted or we think that they're a lot worse than what they actually are. And so I dove into some stats, and I want, during the five things segment, uh, I'm going to discuss the kickers and what kickers are dependable and what kickers aren't as bad as what you thought they are. Uh, looking at you, Cody Parkey. So if you guys want to listen to that, stay tuned to the end. I, I feel like it's going to be very interesting, and I hope you guys enjoy as well. Uh, but with that being said, let's go ahead and go to our first matchup of discussion, and that's going to be me and Kevin O'Brien. Code K. K. Bo. What's going on, brother? Bro, good to hear from you. Even though uh, what you did to me this weekend, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be on. Well, I'm glad to have you. Yeah, it's it's appropriate that I start this podcast with you, as you were my first guest uh, so many weeks ago at Blue Nose Brewery with with our great sponsor uh, Nate Garcia and Blue Nose Brewery. Uh, probably worse audio quality, but one of the better pods I would say, especially for being uh, one of the first ones. Now that was super fun. We had great rapport back and forth, and and Nate uh, handing over notes. That was a good time. Glad we can do it again. <laughs> Me too. I think that I think as we go through uh, the, as we get into next season, uh, we might have to do uh, do a podcast together more than more than twice. But uh, but let's talk about your season, man. Uh, a little or unfortunately, you take you're taking the L to me. Everybody on my team went off, and I guess if you're gonna take a loss that may be one of the better ways to take one. No, you're exactly, exactly right. This was probably the best way to lose. You know, I had a hot start on Thursday. Alan Robinson, ton of confidence going into the weekend. And while it was, it was pretty uh, excruciating from about noon to 4.30, as your projected score went up, you know, Jared Cook getting 
two fucking touchdowns in the first quarter. Everybody seems to be hitting whilst my guys are, are just pooping the bed. But uh, the reason it's kind of one of the better ways to lose is it was a blowout, right? There's nothing I could have done. There's no roster move or, or waiver move I could have made to win. So there's no second guessing myself. And, and so for that, I'm grateful. And uh, yes, I lost to you, but because I lost to you, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for you moving forward, even though you've got some challenges ahead. Yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, Mike Evans is hurt. Jared Cook has a concussion, and it's, I mean, typically guys don't come back the week after that they have a concussion. So I am uh, trying to decide between Mike Williams or Terry McLaurin at uh, at wide receiver, and then uh, Matt Ryan or Josh Allen at quarterback, which neither seem seem to be great options right now. And then you look over at Jerome's team, and uh, it's just a, just a team full of juggernauts. So I got my work cut out for me, that's for sure. Yeah, Jerome's a powerhouse. So that's going to be a, it's going to be a good one, but it's fantasy playoffs code. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. It's just, Hey, it's a one game season, but uh, let's, let's talk about what went wrong for you. Unfortunately, it seemed like your team was set up for success uh, at the beginning and you start had, had a hot start and then a little bit bumpy towards the end. And I think that you could probably point all of that at underwhelming performances of Saquon Barkley and Julio Jones. Yeah, yeah, you're stealing my words from me. But, uh, dude, to be honest, coming out of the draft, I had a ton of confidence in my team, which is, you know, kind of unusual from a champion, you know, as I uh, did take home the, the fifth last year. Uh, but to have a roster with both Saquon and Julio on it, I had a, a ton of confidence going into it. Unfortunately, they just did not perform throughout the season. Those two, Mike Williams, I expected to do a lot more. And uh, but really, who I want to pin this whole thing on is is Tony fucking Michelle and the Patriots. I had a rule my entire life, and I broke it this season: do not play Patriots players. They always let you down. And I broke my one rule, and and what happened? I ended up with Tony Michelle in the third round, who did absolutely nothing, contributed zero. And so, mark my words, moving forward, I will never have a Patriots player in my draft class ever. Won't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Never, never again. Even though I, I do recall there was a Monday night game between the Patriots and the Jets, and Sony Michelle won you that game or that week because of a three touchdown performance. Yeah, you're, I actually was reviewing, and uh, yeah, there was that one. It was against Cody Billick. We, our, both of our teams were doing shit. It was like an eighty to seventy win. But you are right; he delivered one win to me. But I think uh, overall there was a lot more losses when he put up, you know, in between four and seven points five weeks in a row. Now, now, based on based on your voice right here, you would think that you had a terrible season, but you did. You didn't. You actually got the four seed in the playoffs, which is which is respectable, um, even with some some underwhelming performances. And I think based on you know what some conversations that we had previous, it is due to some some great actually. And I gave you some credit a couple of weeks ago on on the podcast. I you you're a pretty good in season fantasy football manager, and that would be evidenced by your mm-hmm. your fab strategy towards the end of the year. Yep, yep, I can't agree with you more, Cody. It's an artwork. I don't want to uh, I don't want to uncover too much of my strategy, but a couple moves that I thought really delivered success for me this year is is number one, good pickups throughout the year. Number one, you know we're in this new fab world, different different for all of us, but I was successfully able to stream defenses week after week. And it's through some very creative, creative uh, ads uh, during the week going into that, uh, that Wednesday morning. 
uh, but also a couple starter pickups that I got for very cheap. Carrying me through the end of the season, Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry, two guys I picked up for $3, both of which are going to be uh, were starters moving on and really carried me into these last few weeks. And I, I don't want to forget the trade I made with Awesome that uh, he gloated for a few weeks. But honestly, Allen Robinson just blew up the last three weeks, this week included. And without those three guys, Hunter Henry, Devontae Parker, and uh, Allen Robinson, courtesy and Mike Awesome, I, I wouldn't have gotten that fourth seed. So I'm, uh, I'm happy how it all worked out. Yep, yep. Allen Robinson, it was a little bit questionable there to begin with. But uh, the, especially, I think it was last week, Allen Robinson helped carry you to a win. Um, but, you know, besides that, the Devontae Parker pickup, I mean, and even Hunter Henry getting a, getting a top five tight end off the free agency heap is, is amazing. But Devontae Parker really coming through in the last several weeks of the season. Uh, I mean, there's been, I think probably just about everybody in this league has had a share of Devontae Parker at some point in time in, the, in their fantasy lives, and he's yielded mm-hmm. nothing. And for for you to pick the right time to, to grab him is uh I mean, it's just, I mean, might be a little bit of luck and, and probably just the right time and seeing the right opportunity. So, so good for you, man. Unfortunately, uh, the season's over and uh, we're, we're going to be crowning a new champion. But uh, before I let you go, there's a couple other things that I want to ask. It, it, the first, or I, I don't think we're going to be able to get your dad on this week, uh, but he ends up taking the loss to Ned. He's going to end up with the fifth overall pick next year in the draft. The main thing I wanted to talk about with you on that matchup is, is Bob's got some pretty decent looking keeper options next year. He has, I mean, he could keep Mahomes again in the first round. Uh, he took him third overall last year, so maybe he wants to keep him fifth overall. Who knows? But he's got Josh Jacobs in the second, Derek Henry in the fourth, and, and Chris Godwin in the fifth, none of which are terrible options. Yep, he's got he's got plenty of options. I think I could go with any of those guys. You know, I'm a little bit more limited. I'm likely going with Saquon, maybe, maybe Hunter Henry, but it's very good for him going to the next season, having those options. As for this season, I couldn't feel worse for him. Number one, losing that fucking loser Ned trash team to, to take him out of the playoffs is tough. And, you know, every year there's always that one guy that performs well in points but, but misses out in the playoffs due to uh, – due to record and unfortunately this year it was my dad but he uh you know he had a, a great showing he uh, of course made those very typical bob scratch your head moves uh, throughout the season that we've all uh grown used to but uh you know he's a he's a classy veteran when he needs to make some pickups he does so and he, he put together a pretty solid team i'd say a pretty volatile team up and down but uh he put up some big numbers more you know scored more points than me so unfortunate for him you know he was a you know a little disappointed but he's a he's he's the arrow's pointing up for him going into the next season it it certainly is last thing i want to ask you before before we get off here any last words on the season or, or to any anybody remaining in the playoffs, uh, particularly, uh, you know, Dan Melnar talked a lot of shit on you last week. I don't know if there's anything that you want to direct directly towards him. Uh, well, it's about time we got on the podcast last week. Uh, I did go through my matchups, and I, I don't want to forget back in, uh, I think it was week five, I just absolutely annihilated Dan Milner, 155 to 73. But mm-hmm. looking forward, you know, Jerome's got a huge team. Dan's team looks looks good, but I think they can underperform. I think you've got some opportunity there. Um but no, you know, I'm going to continue to uh, monitor the scores on Sunday. Look forward to it. 
And uh, just kind of some overall, you know, final words on the season as I make my graceful exit from uh, from this and then perhaps the, the group text as well is that uh, I thought this was an awesome season. This is this has always been my favorite league, but this has been my favorite year of my favorite league. Got to hand it to you, dude, podcast. Outstanding. Love it. As soon as it comes out, I'm listening. I'm pretty sure everyone's doing it. It adds a whole new flavor to uh, to the league that we all uh, we all love. So great job, Cody. Don't want to give you too many compliments. Next time I see you, I'm going to tear you down. But uh, great job, buddy. Keep it up. Yep. There's plenty of things that you can make fun of me for, but I appreciate the love when I can get it, man. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, Kev. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right. You have a good one. Hello. Oh, hey, is this Steve Grisbeck? Uh, why, yes, it is. Is it Cody K? This is this is Cody K, the host of the Sinbin Fantasy Football Podcast. Do you have time for a quick interview? Oh, uh, why, let me check my time, and yes, I do. Oh, oh well, great. Well, <laughs> Steve, thanks for thanks for coming on the pod, bud. Uh, I mean, I think it's uh, twice in the last four weeks or so. So, uh, so I appreciate you making some time, but unfortunately, it's under some some not so great circumstances. Uh, after after barely missing the playoffs, uh, essentially just being uh, one elimination away or a few points away, you end up being one of the first guys eliminated in the uh, in the consolation bracket for the first round. Uh, uh, losing to Jake Metzger of all people um, can't can't feel the best, but uh, but let's talk about let's talk about your season, man. Re- really up and down, and I think that that's appropriate based on the the guys that you had on your team, Aaron Rodgers and David Johnson. Yeah, uh, well, first off, I appreciate you calling me, Cody. Um, I was able to dry my tears uh, enough to make this call. Um, but yeah, I think uh, David Johnson was just the the biggest uh, disappointment of my team. I mean, um, he was my keeper, obviously, and going up to week six, he was I want to say a top eight, top nine running back, and then he gets hurt, and it's all of a sudden a RBBC, and he's not even the at the top of that list uh, by this time. So. Uh, quite the bummer, but I think uh, Aaron Rodgers was a little bit less of a disappointment. Uh, he was my sixth-round pick, but he definitely was not the A.A. Ron of old, where he was a perennial top three QB, and he was he was an up-and-down QB himself. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, barely getting like 10 points a game, and then all of a sudden he blows up for like 40-plus, and uh, just a roller coaster of a ride. Yeah, so I guess I, let's let's start. Uh, we'll talk about Rodgers and go back to David Johnson here. Uh, just a just a little interesting stat. So I mean, obviously, like everybody thinks that Aaron Rodgers is is the best, or if not the best quarterback in the NFL, at least like top three. But fantasy wise, over the past couple of years, he's been pretty underwhelming. And and this season, he had eight games under eighteen points, which is amazing for a guy of his talent and typically for a quarterback, you're hoping that they at least get you 18, 20 on a weekly basis. So uh, pretty disappointing there. And then uh, for David Johnson, it's that if you really look at the numbers that that drop off or that decision to go away from him is completely baffling because he had 
over 15 points in five of the first six games. And, yeah. you know, he, he makes a makes a mistake, gets a little banged up, and then they just completely go away from him. Uh, makes you, it makes you really question, was there something going on behind the scenes? Yeah, for Johnson, it seemed like uh, he was just never over his his injury. I think it was like a, a an ankle injury that a lot of people were saying or thinking, like, is he really completely healed from it? Um, but the writings were on the wall that I was just choosing to ignore um, that, you know, time was being split with him and Chase Edmonds, and then the signing of Kenyon Drake kind of just nailed that fact to the uh, to the wall and uh, should have seen it coming. But what can you do? Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you what. Don't be surprised <laughs> if David Johnson is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer next year, reuniting with Bruce Arians. <laughs> Uh, that would be interesting, but I, I think uh, you out of uh, either of us would uh, hope for that more than me. <laughs> That's true. A um, couple other, uh, a couple other guys that were uh, were a little bit disappointing this year. Uh, Odell Beckham, uh, mm-hmm. very volatile personality, and everybody hopped on that Browns uh, bandwagon at the beginning of the year. Uh, and things didn't necessarily work out for him. And then, you know, Robert Woods had five games under 10 points this year. But, I mean, and then he just decided to go off the last two when it didn't really matter nearly as much for you. Yeah, agreed. Uh, with OBJ, uh, yeah, he was uh, kind of a disappointment because uh, he was my second overall pick. Uh, not overall, but second round pick. And... um yeah, it was just really disappointing. You think with uh, Baker ascending that OBJ would, you know, uh, feed off those scraps uh, and just feast. But, you know, it turns out that recently, I guess he's already in line for off-season hernia injury, uh, surgery. Ooh. And that's kept him apparently out of practice a lot. And he just hasn't been able to build that rapport with uh, with Mayfield. Um, so that's probably a, a big um you know, reason why he was uh, he was just sucking um, almost all season. Yeah. And plus it seems like Jarvis was the number one receiver on that team anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, Robert Woods, he was not the consistent uh, wide receiver, too, that I was hoping. Um, it just seemed like that whole offense was just in shambles outside of Cooper Cup. Um, and then Evan Ingram, I think, only played like half the season for me. So that was uh, quite a bit of a bust at a tight end position that just sucks overall. Yeah, you know, I, I really I really touted your draft and how well I thought you did. But that also goes to show with uh with how little I know about fucking fantasy football drafts. I <laughs> I I feel like I'm a better in season fantasy football manager than preseason fantasy football manager. Uh but uh you know, hey, you were just uh, just a, a little bit shy of making the playoffs and, and that's I mean that's unfortunate. Uh, you'll have the sixth pick in next year's draft, which is also unfortunate. But before I let you go, um, any last thoughts, any any particular things you want to say to any other fantasy owners? Um, you know, this is a, this is the, the last time last time we'll have you on the pod for this season. Yeah, no, I appreciate everything you did, Cody. Uh, best of luck to you in the playoffs. Um, I am disappointed that I left points on my bench, losing to Metzger, like you said, of all people. Um, that's just a very low blow, um, to me and, uh, just my dignity. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, best of luck to you and your team, man. It kind of sucks for you to, to lose Mike Evans. I'm uh, not sure if he's out for the season. Seems like um, it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, best of luck to you. Uh, the other guys, I'm kind of rooting for everyone uh, except Dan. Uh, he sucks and can go to hell. Um, Agreed. But, uh, yeah, man, it's yeah. been fun. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thanks for coming on the pod, and uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, brother. I'll see you later. Hey, Cody. Chris Woloka, welcome to your final Sinbin Fantasy Football Podcast, man. I am, uh, I'm sorry to see you go, uh, but, but I'm glad you're here. You know, I feel lucky to make it as far as I did. Yeah, kind of an up and down season for you. Uh, the draft, you felt, obviously you felt pretty good coming out of there, uh, but for some reason you were just bitten by the injury bug all season long. Yeah, uh, no, it kind of felt like the Browns going in after that draft. There's so much promise. I was like, this is going to be great. And it just turned out to be a complete fucking dumpster fire. Like, I don't know. Can I go through my draft real quick with you guys? Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. Dude, so I, I left the draft. I had Devontae Adams. This is going to be great. No, he injures his stupid toe, hurt for most of the year. I did get rid of him at one point. James Conner, injured. Antonio Brown, you know, that guy, fucker. Kyrion Johnson, complete bust. Josh Gordon, bust. A.J. Green, bust. That's one, two, three, four, five. That's my six first draft picks. Hunter Henry got injured on me right away. Tevin Coleman was a one-week wonder. Thank God it was against Mike Austin, so I can kick his ass that one week. Uh, Carson Wentz, completely average. I drafted Justice Hill. I don't even think that dude has a carry. Dante Pettis was a bust. Kalen Balage was a complete bust. And then Nick Chubb, obviously, was my keeper, was decent. And then he kind of fell off when Hunt kind of came around. Um, dude, my saving grace, though, was my free agent pickups. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he just, without them, I would never have been in the playoffs. Yep. So. So, at least, I mean, that's amazing when you go through pick by pick, like how terrible of a draft you had. <laughs> Or, and it wasn't, I guess, a, I mean, terrible on paper, but it was uh, just terrible luck with so many of those guys being hurt and then also having the wherewithal to make a couple of trades in order to, to make some things work and, you know, having a couple of free agent pickups to, to work out. I think, what did you have? You had DJ Shark and, and Darren Waller, correct? Yeah, those are the two big ones. Yeah. And so we're talking about keepers next year. I'm glad we decided that it was going to be more of a mid-round pick mm-hmm. keeper. Exactly. One of those free agent pickups because, you know, Minshew Magic to DJ Chark sounds kind of nice for next year. Yeah. Isn't, I, isn't that crazy? You know, on paper, Nick Foles has a better resume than Gardner Minshew, but the Jaguars just play better with Minshew under center. And, uh, I mean, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jaguars do next year, but I think ne- or one way or another, DJ Shark is going to be looking at being a top 15 wide receiver drafted at least, maybe higher, we'll see. Uh, but if you're able to keep him in the eighth round, that's, that'll be great. Even somebody like Darren Waller, who you know is going to get plenty of targets in that offense, having a, a probably a top five tight end in the eighth round is, is solid as well. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting pretty, kind of pretty with that, uh, with our keeper selections. I'm feeling pretty good about that one. Let's talk but about... I'm just... 
Yeah, go for it. No, let's talk about let's talk about what happened in the matchup. You you ended up taking the taking the L to Dan Melnar, and we don't necessarily need to need to go through the matchup. Uh, but what do you think about Dan Melnar's uh, chances at at running the table and winning the championship here? Man, Dan's team. First of all, yeah, I did lose. It was quite bad. Some of the, for instance, I started a rookie undrafted running back on the none other. Miami Dolphins team, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of where I was at going into the playoffs. I, honestly, I probably had the worst starting team last week out of everybody in the league. I think but, you, you know, did. But playoffs, was, hey, but I made it to the goddamn playoffs. You made it to the playoffs. <laughs> and now now they're all going to get healthy so I can kick Kevin's ass this week. So it's all, it's all coming together. Uh, but I think Dan's team all depends on health. Now, he does work out that the Vikings are still trying to push for that playoff spot, potentially trying to get that NFC championship. And so Cook, they're going to keep throwing them out there. I feel like if they had something more in the bag or if their spot was kind of more settled, it'd probably take away some of those carries. But I don't I don't see that happening for him. So I, I think in that aspect, for that one particular player, he's going to be sitting nicely. Dan, Dan's it's hot or cold. I, I truly think that uh, – it can go either way for him. Yeah, he can score 150 points, or he can score 100. You know, I think I think 105 is probably about where he'll his minimum will be. Which is but scary. I mean, if that's his minimum, I I think that the roster on paper looks looks really nice, but there has okay. been a, a several questionable weeks with with how much how many points his team has put up. So uh, I guess you don't you don't know what he's going to get. And uh, but out of all the teams that are left. I think, well, I guess between me, Radio, Jerome, and and Dan, uh, him and him and Jerome, are, Jer- Jerome are pretty neck and neck with best looking rosters. That is true. Yeah. I, I, I I do predict that Jerome is going to run away with it overall. I think uh-huh. that team is just so much more consistent. And I think you called it back, not to give you props on your own little podcast here, but what, what was it? week three, week four? Yeah, you call it. Yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. No. Jerome's team is pretty goddamn solid yeah you know i'll probably talk about that you know a little bit later but it's just it's amazing how in in this league i mean in in the nfl that he's only rolled out two running backs the entire year for the most part fournette and elliott and neither of them have gotten hurt neither of them have gotten banged up and it's just it's just keeping him going to a fan or to what looks like a fantasy football championship now if one of those guys get hurt then he's then he's going to struggle because there's no running backs left on the market. Um, but right, as of right now, he is in pole position for sure. That is true. That All is right. True. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you you coming on. Thanks for I mean, getting into the playoffs is at least half the battle and giving your shot to win. Uh, I, honestly, you grinded this year, and that was some of the, some of the better in-season management that I've seen in a while. So congrats on that. Uh, and and we'll we'll hope to hear hear you on the on the text thread as as the season rolls on. Absolutely, thanks, Cody. Appreciate uh, your time. All right, buddy. Thank you. So I wanted to do a quick five things on NFL kickers, and this has been something that has always always really interested me because I, I've never quite understood the, all the hate for kickers and and why nobody nobody appreciates them or likes them because. I feel like there's so many games that come down to to kickers and kickers doing their job that they are either they're either loved or hated based on based on one play. And I guess I 
deep down, I've never really thought that was fair. And I think that probably most people feel that way as well, but it's just easy to rip on them because the easy thing that you see is right in front of your face that they have hours and hours and hours to practice one job. And it is hard for people to conceive that they wouldn't be absolutely perfect at that one job if that was the only thing that they had to do. But like I said previously, that we all know in the back of our minds it's a lot harder of a job than what we make it out to be. And, and this all comes up to me when, uh, you know, two kickers, two of the best kickers of our generation just recently got cut in Matt Bryant and Adam Vinatieri. Um, Adam Vinatieri, I mean, it, it's, heck, I think he was 48 years old before he got cut, had some of the most memorable kicks of all time, but I think it would really amaze a lot of people that his career stats are not really that great. I think a lot of people would just automatically throw him in the Hall of Fame as one of the best kickers of all time, but he's only an 84% career field goal kicker. And as I run through the stats here, you'll find out that that's not super impressive. And additionally, he's had eight seasons under 80% field goals, with one of those being a 74% season in 2003. Now, the other guy that I just mentioned, Matt Bryant, who I think most people would would agree was one of the better kickers of our generation, one of the more dependable kickers of our generation, had an 85.6 career field goal percentage mark, a point and a half percent higher than Adam Benatieri, and six seasons under 80% kicking, with one season at 77% in 2006, uh, probably his worst season there. So generally what we're looking at is some of the best kickers of all time are sitting around 84, 85%. And I want to run through a few more guys that have, that have been in the league for a long time. And, you know, they seem to be set with their teams and their teams don't give up on them. Their teams seem to be sticking with them no matter what. Uh, some of these guys have bounced to a different, a couple of different teams, but nevertheless have found some jobs. So uh, Mason Crosby, Green Bay Packers, He's been there forever. I think he's been, he's had, yeah, actually his career's been 13 years, but he's only an 81% field goal kicker, six seasons under 80%. And actually in 2012, I don't know if you guys remember this, he was only a 63.5% field goal kicker, but the Packers stuck with him anyway. And I think the following year, he ended up being a 91% field goal kicker. Robbie Gold. I know all you guys love Robbie. Robbie's had a pretty good career. 86.6% of his field goals, three uh, three seasons under 80%. However, it's been a little bit rough for him this year. He's been hurt, but he's only hitting two-thirds of his field goals, so he's having a pretty bad year. Steven Hauschka. Yeah, he's still kicking in the NFL. He's over with the Buffalo Bills, but he's been around for 12 seasons, believe it or not. 85% for his career, and he's... Uh, he's been actually really good for every year except for the last two years where he's been under 80%. Ryan Suckup, another guy, been around forever, 11 seasons, an 82.5% career field goal percentage, two seasons under 80%. However, he's only one for five this year, right? Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Guys that have been in the league for a long time, how good are they? Dan Bailey. 87% in his career, but the Vikings wanted to let him go before the season. Why? Because last year, or last year and the year before that, he was only a 75% field goal kicker. And they tried to bring in Kari Vedvik, a no-name, to take his job. Now, what has he done this year? He's 90%. A little bit of a theme here. A lot of the times when these guys have bad years, then they end up bouncing back the year after that. Let's look at Brandon McManus. Been with the Broncos for six seasons. 81% career field goals. Uh, 
Two out of the last six seasons, he's been at 80%, and he was a 69% field goal kicker in 2014. Chris Boswell, been with the uh, the Steelers for the last couple of years, 65% last year. The Steelers bring him back this year. He's at 90% of his field goals. Let's talk about some of the better guys. All right, now, who do you think of as the best field goal kicker in the league right now? I think a lot of people would think of Justin Tucker, as, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But I think the second guy that you would think about is, is Greg Zerline. I think it would amaze you that Greg Zerline is an 82.6% field goal kicker, and he's only making 70%, 76% of his field goals this year, and he missed a game winner this year as well. Now, what I, I'm, I'm saying all of this because I feel, it, I feel that every year there's a couple of kickers that get a bad rap, and there's really only two guys that I think that you can depend on over the past decade, and that's Steven Guskowski and, and Justin Tucker. Goskowski is an 87% field goal kicker, and he's only had two seasons under 80%, but that was his rookie year and a year that he was hurt. And then Justin Tucker is a 90% field goal kicker, and he's never been lower than 82.5%. So other than that, I've, I've outlined just about every kicker that's been in this league for a decade or maybe a little bit less, and they've, and they've hung around. But I wanted, wanted to highlight a guy who got a really bad rap for one bad season outside of a pretty good career, and that's Cody Parkey. Bears fans ran this dude out of town for a couple of missed field goals, but from what we've seen is that the majority of the time when somebody has a not-so-good year, that they bounce back the year after if a team shows a little bit of faith in them. Cody Parkey is an 84% career field goal kicker, the same as Adam Vinatieri, better than Mason Crosby, better than Brandon McManus, better than than Ryan Suckup, better than Greg Zerline. And he had one bad season at 76.7%, and now the dude can't find his job. And who do the Browns or the Bears bring in? Eddie Pinheiro, who's making only 76% of his field goals as well. So they are not making or having a marketable difference. And they're still in the same circle. Just trying to find a kicker when if they just showed a little bit of confidence in a guy. They may not have this issue. So with that being said, I hope that I shined a little light on the kicking situation across the NFL. The grass is not always greener on the other side unless you can find a Steven Guskowski or a Justin Tucker. But for the for the uh, the the soul or the 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 main reason why we bring in five things, I wanted to highlight the five highest active field goal kicking percentages across the league. And some of these guys are a little bit newer, but a couple of these guys are. But I figured it'd at least be, it'd be fun to outline these guys or these five guys for you. So number five on the list, the fifth highest active field goal uh, percentage, Will Lutz, 87.2%. Next is Steven Guskowski at 87.4%. Number three is Josh Lambeau of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He makes 87.8% of his field goals. Number two, second-year pro, Harrison Butker for the Kansas City Chiefs, 89.1% of his field goals made. And and the best, of course, is what you guys would probably guess at this point, Justin Tucker, 90.6% of his field goals made. So I hope that, like I said, I hope that shined a little light on kickers, a, a very devalued position. But I think that uh, I think they are important. I think that you need to, in, 
um, build confidence in these kickers and, and let them go out there and do their job, even if they're struggling, because eventually they're going to get better. They're pros for a reason. So with that being said, that's the end of this week's podcast. We got the playoffs coming up. Let's run through those matchups real quick. In the consolation bracket for the number one pick next year, we have Ned taking on Cody Billick, and then we have Metzger taking on Mike Awesome. And then in the playoffs, I am facing Jerome in a very uphill battle. It's going to take a lot of help or an injury to one of Jerome's running backs in order for me to win. But on the other end, you have Dan taking on his childhood buddy, Radio, in the number two versus number three seed. Uh, Dan has to be the favorite here with uh, with Calvin Ridley, T.Y. Hilton, and Mark Andrews all likely out. Uh, additionally, Radio has some tough matchups at first running back position with Alvin Kamara facing a tough Indianapolis run D and Aaron Jones facing uh, a little bit improved Chicago D with Akeem Hicks coming back. So we'll see what happens there, uh, but it should be interesting. The text thread should be flowing, and we will have the four guys that are eliminated on the pod next week to discuss their exits. I appreciate all of you guys listening. I hope you enjoyed having Kevin, Chris, and Steve on the pod this week. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Later.